0: This show is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Sleep, especially as you get older, is so critical, but no two people sleep alike. That's why Helix offers several different mattress models, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Go to helixsleep.com dailywire and take their sleep quiz to find the mattress made for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper, a hot sleeper, or a cold sleeper, Helix has just the mattress for you. I took the Helix Sleep Quiz and was matched with a Helix Midnight Mattress because I wanted a medium firmness and I sleep on my side. I am sleeping so much better on my new mattress. Don't want to take my word for it? Well, Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Take the quiz and order the perfect mattress right to your door, shipped for free. It's so quick and fun to unbox, and you won't believe how well you'll sleep. All Helix mattresses come with a 100-night trial and a 10- or 15-year warranty. Helix even offers financing options and flexible payment plans. A great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and a free bedroom bundle for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. That's helixsleep.com slash dailywire, code helixpartner20.
1: Today on the Matt Wall Show, the left comes apart at the seams, panics, goes into hysterics. Stop me if you've heard this one before. In this case, because of a a, uh, a case that's being argued at the Supreme Court right now that deals with abortion. In fact, we've we've reached the point where Democratic senators are standing on the steps of the Supreme Court while cases are being argued, calling out certain justices by name and issuing threats to try to uh, intimidate them into deciding the way that Democrats want. We'll talk about all of this, but what I really want to focus on, especially, is the case itself and and, and what it is exactly uh, that Democrats are freaking out about. Because when you when you see what they're freaking out about, um, and and what this what all the hysterics are really about, it shows it reveals the lie in the claim that abortion is health care. It reveals that even they don't think that. So we'll we'll talk about all that. Also, five headlines including. A very disturbing headline uh, about bigotry and hatred and intolerance right here at The Daily Wire. Uh, so you'll want to hear about this. Apparently there's uh, this guy named Matt Walsh, Matt Welsh, something like that. Never heard of him. But uh, this is a pretty unsavory character. And he's uh, he's he's especially said something that's uh, pretty, pretty shocking and uh, and startling. So we'll talk about that. And then uh, also, we'll get to your emails. And uh, there's someone in, in the emails who thinks that I'm very wrong about the coronavirus and thinks, in fact, that what I've said about the coronavirus is reckless and dangerous. Is that true? We'll talk about that as well. All of that and more coming up. But first, a word from Fairway. You know, we, uh, I, I, I've, I've had the great pleasure of uh, eating some of, of Fairway's products, and uh, I've had the sirloin steak. I've had the T-bone. I've had various cuts of pork. The thing I love about it is you don't have to be a great, you know, I am a great chef. Let me just say that, but you don't have to be a great chef. It's just the, the meat itself. It uh, doesn't, doesn't take a lot of seasoning. It's just all the flavors come out. It's It's delicious stuff. Um, and it's much better cut of meat than what you're going to find at the grocery store, and you're getting it for a better price as well. Fairway is a family-owned grocery chain that's been in business since uh, 1938. Fairway's premium beef and all-natural pork is raised by family farmers, hand-cut by a highly experienced team of Fairway butchers from ribs to ribeyes, pork chops, beef tenderloin. i had the beef tenderloin, too. That was delicious. Uh, their certified uh, heritage pork is crafted in small batches by uh, Midwest Family Farms, making it the most succulent pork that you're ever going to taste. Visit fairwaymeatmarket.com. You can select your favorite meat products uh, there. Like I said, this is this is way better than what you're going to find if you just go to your local grocery store, your local grocery chain. You're going to get it from a better price as well. In fact, this week, my listeners can get the Heartland Package valued at $230 for just $99.99. So that's uh, less than $100. bucks. you are getting more than 50% off. Plus, you get free shipping when you enter Walsh at checkout. The Heartland package includes eight eight ounce uh, all natural boneless pork chops. You get six eight ounce USDA choice ribeye steaks. And then you get one mouthwatering side dish, loaded potato bake, gourmet cheesy corn, uh, brisket, baked beans, whichever one you want to choose. That's more than 50% off the best meat in America, plus free shipping. That's fairwaymeatmarket.com, promo code Walsh. Look for the Heartland package. Again, fairwaymeatmarket.com promo code Walsh. Look for the Heartland meat, uh, Heartland package. Okay, now, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments yesterday in the case of June Medical Services versus Rousseau. The case was brought by abortionists in Louisiana who are very upset about a state law that would require abortion clinics to have admitting privileges in local hospitals. In case, now the reason for that, in case something goes wrong during an abortion, which can and does happen, Uh, Quite often, well, you're going to need to send the woman to a real hospital so that they can be treated. Now we're going to come back to this in a moment, but that that's what sets the stage, and that's what this case is about. So this is not a case that would overturn Roe v. Wade. It's not a case that restricts abortion at all. In fact, these are just some. uh, It's 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 not a case that that touches on abortion itself at all. It's a very basic regulation on abortion clinics, requiring abortion clinics to take certain steps uh, to ensure the safety of their patients. But as we've learned time and time again, any restriction, any regulation, any law, any mere suggestion that comes within 500 miles of abortion is cause for panic by abortion supporters. And that's what happened yesterday in D.C. Uh, speaker after speaker got up at their at their pro-abortion rally. And it just got crazier and crazier as time goes on, as it always does with these leftist rallies. So let's start with Renee Sherman, who calls herself the Beyonce of abortion storytelling. Now, I'm not sure what that means exactly. Does it mean that when she gives her speeches, she lip syncs? Uh, I, I don't know exactly, but um, let's let's watch what she had to say.
2: Where are the abortion providers at? Where the future abortion providers at? Woo! Awesome. And a special shout out to where my people who had abortions. Where y'all at? Nothing about this work is going to be without us. Woo! Awesome. So, as I said, I had an abortion when I was 19. It was honestly one of the best decisions of my life. I was simply not ready to become a parent, and that's really all you need to know.
1: Okay, um, you know what? That that is perfect. In many in many ways. To begin with, it once again completely annihilates the claim that nobody celebrates abortion. Okay, we you've got a woman standing at a microphone shouting, let's hear it for all the people who've had abortions. If that's not celebrating abortion, then what is celebrating abortion? What does celebrating abortions look like and sound like, if not that? I mean, do you need actual confetti raining from the sky? Do we need the actual champagne to be popped? Does there need to be a cake with rainbow sprinkles that has the phrase abortion is healthcare written in frosting? Well, that'd be absurd, of course. Nobody would ever, oh, wait, right. Yeah, uh, thanks. thanks, Miley. So, yes, the left celebrates abortion, celebrates it all the time. Uh, there's no debate about that. But you can tell quite a lot from this celebration. That's what I want to focus on. Because it's celebrating abortion, but this celebration is missing something, isn't it? It's missing more than than the confetti and the cake. It's 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 missing. What's the word? Um, what's the thing that you usually have in a celebration? Joy, happiness. So even as she's shouting, "Let's hear it for all the people who've had abortions," the expression on her face is is empty. There's no smile. There's no happiness in her eyes. So it's just like this is her face. I should let's hear it for all the people who've had abortions. Complete not even the crack of a smile it's 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 not even close to it and then the yays and the woos from the crowd are lifeless forced unconvincing everyone's going woo, yeah yes go us these are damaged guilt-ridden bitter people who are trying to force themselves to be happy about what they've done by by pretending that they're happy so this as I, as I always say, with, with the celebration of abortion a shot your abortion, they're trying to convince themselves. They're not convincing you, they're not even talking to you. They're talking to themselves. They might as well they might as well just imagine every time you see this kind of thing, just imagine a mirror and they're talking into the mirror. This, this, uh, the, the Beyonce of abortion storytelling, she probably gets up every single morning and looks in the mirror and says, "Let's hear it for all the people who've had abortions. We're happy. Yes, we're very happy but it never works. Um, it's a fake it till you make it strategy, but they're never going to make it. They're never going to be happy until they admit to themselves that that what they did was evil and horrible and horrendous and hideous. And then at that point, now I'm not saying that a woman who has abortion can never be happy or satisfied in her life. Again, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that once you begin, just like with anything else that, you, that you're, you're feeling guilty about, that you've done, Even something that's less serious than uh, killing your own child. But if you want to get past it, if you want to get past that guilt, you're not going to get past it by repressing it, by pretending, trying to convince yourself it was okay. That's a rationalization. You'll spend your whole life rationalizing it. It has to begin by saying, yes, this was wrong. It was a horrible thing. You start with that. You face it. You confront it. You admit. Um, And then you can finally begin to heal. Women can find healing after abortions but it's not gonna be a healing through denial. There's no such thing as as healing through denial. It doesn't happen. So for them, as long as they're trying to to fool themselves, uh, it's, they're not gonna heal. Speaking of joyless and lifeless, here's Rashida Tlaib.
2: This past year, I realized, my, 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 are they obsessed with our bodies, how we talk, how we look? what we stand for. I mean, this type of policing of our bodies is so interconnected to all the social justice movements all around the country. I represent the third poorest congressional district in the country. This issue is an economic justice issue. This issue is a racial justice issue. tell you this obsession with our bodies you know I in the legislature in the Michigan legislature for six years used to say people to people yo yo you know what you're so freaking obsessed with what I decide to do with my body maybe you shouldn't even want to have sex with me or with you or with any women the power that we have over our bodies to push back and use that power and saying enough is enough we won't stand by for you to commercialize for you to profit, for you to do all the things you do, to what? To make us less than in this country, because that's what it does. So I want you to know there is more of us than them.
1: Yo, 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 check it. Maybe you shouldn't want to have sex with me. Well, Rashida, I will respect your wishes on that front. I uh, I, 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 will Done and done, okay? That's, you You got it. No argument from me. In fact, this, this might be the only thing that Rashida Talib has ever said that both sides can agree on. Indeed, I believe we have forged a, a bipartisan consensus on this particular issue. This is the issue that will unite the entire country, and it's coming from Rashida Talib. I never thought, whoever thought, that she would be the one to say something, and everybody in America can unite in one voice and say, yes, we agree. You know, I've noticed something. Feminists in one breath insist that their bodies are none of our business. Yet, uh, as soon as they finish saying that, they get right back to talking incessantly about their bodies. Divulging details we didn't ask for and we didn't want to hear. Shouting about their sex lives constantly. Shoving it in our faces while telling us it's none of our business. All of these details I'm telling you about my sex life are none of your business. Yes, I agree. I totally agree. So shut up. How about that? There's a good solution. And that brings us, uh, speaking of people who need to shut up, that brings us to Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer, uh, of course, uh, who, by the way, has the distinction of among all U.S. senators looking the most like a Batman villain, Um uh, but yesterday, he decided to really take that role as the as the Batman villain seriously. And I'm going to play that uh, that clip for you in just a second. If you haven't seen this, this is all, it's nearly unbelievable. It, it gets right up to the edge of, of you can hardly believe that even a Democrat would say this. But uh, we'll play that for you in just a second. But first, let's check in with our good friends over at Tommy John. You know, when it comes to comfort, especially comfort... Uh, beneath your outer garments, shall we say, there's underwear, and then there's Tommy John, the revolutionary clothing brand that's redefined comfort for Americans everywhere, including myself. To put it simply, Tommy John uh, doesn't give an F. That is, they give three Fs. They don't just give one; they give three: fabric, fit, and function. I think all of those things you're going to want when it comes to underwear. Tommy John obsesses over every little detail and stitch, and you can really tell. I could tell. You know, when you when you see the product. Uh, when you uh, when you put it on, you can tell that this is they've put a lot of time into. You know they're not just they're not just throwing something together. This is every every stitch counts by using proprietary fabrics that perform like nothing you've ever worn before. As a result, Tommy John's men's and women's underwear sport a no wedgie guarantee, comfortable, uh, stay put waistbands, which is an important aspect of wearing underwear, and uh, a range of fabrics that are soft, feather light, moisture wicking, breathable designed to move with you, not against you. And that means that there's no bunching, there's no riding up. And uh, Tommy John's is so confident in the underwear that if you don't love your first pair, you can get a full refund with their best pair, best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. Uh, you give If, if you, if you, if you want to give three Fs about your underwear and upgrade with Tommy John's, again, that's fabric, fit and function, then you want to go to Tommy John's. Uh, Hurry to tommyjohn.com slash Walsh for 20% off your first order. That's tommyjohn.com slash Walsh for 20% off your first order. tommyjohn.com slash Walsh. Go there now. Okay, Chuck Schumer um, auditioning for his role in the next Batman film. This is what he had to say. I want to tell you, Gorsuch.
0: I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. You have released the whirlwind
1: and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. So, what what has happened here? Just just to review, is is Chuck Schumer, um, United States Senator, has called out Kavanaugh and Gorsuch by name, and says that they have released the whirlwind. They will quote pay the price, and they won't know what hit them. Now, these remarks have provoked condemnation from many people, rightfully so, including uh, Chief Justice Roberts and Donald Trump, President Trump. Uh, Schumer's spokesman has tried to justify this and has said, uh, this is what he said, it it was, speaking of the the threat, saying it was a reference to the political price Republicans will pay for putting them on the court and a warning that the justices will will unleash major grassroots movements on the issue of reproductive rights uh, against the decision. So it's a political price. BS. Bull. Nonsense. Political price that Republicans will pay? Well, then that's what you would have said. You, will, you would have said, I'm talking to you, Republicans. You've unleashed the whirlwind, et cetera, et cetera. He didn't say that. He called out two justices by name. They're not politicians. They're not elected. Justices don't pay political prices. What, what does a Supreme Court justice care about a grassroots movement? A grassroots movement can do nothing to the Supreme Court. It makes no difference to a justice what happens to the political party or what the grassroots movements are doing. They stay in their position regardless. Uh, They still decide cases. So to claim that a reference to a political price that a lifetime appointed judge will pay, that, that, that claim is incoherent. By definition, that's sort of the whole point of them being lifetime appointees. Is so that they can't pay political prices and they can't be threatened with political repercussions. That is the whole point. Schumer is just too much of a rat, too much of a coward uh, to to stand by his own words. This was obviously a threat, an attempt at it- intimidation, and I'm not saying that Schumer is is hatching some sort of plan to send assassins after. Uh, after Kavanaugh and Gorsuch although maybe you can't put it past them but I'm not saying that I think it was th- this was from Schumer his intention was for it to be a sort of vague general intimidating statement that hey you better watch out I'm I'm whipping up this crowd I'm making them angry and uh and you know you don't, you don't want to have a whole, you don't want to have a whole crowd of people a whole bunch of people that that hate your guts that's all I'm saying you might pay a price for that not saying what kind of price just there might be a price it doesn't you don't have to be a detective to put the dots together to understand what he's saying and and again if 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 it's not a physical price then what kind of price are you talking about we've already established that it can't be a political price so tell me what you mean he can't say so saying that it's some sort of physical intimidation that's the only reasonable interpretation um now I'm not a legal expert, but I'm pretty sure it's not legal to threaten a Supreme Court justice in order to influence his decision in a case. It's not legal to threaten judges in general to to influence their decisions in cases or for any other reason. And and there are actually specific laws against uttering threats on Supreme Court grounds, which is what Chuck Schumer just did. U.S. Code, reading now from the website of a Cornell uh, Law School, says... It is unlawful to discharge a firearm, firework, or explosive, set fire to a combustible, make a harangue or oration, or utter loud, threatening, or abusive language in the Supreme Court building or on grounds. Loud, threatening, abusive language. It's exactly what you heard there. It's against the law. Schumer broke the law, period. He should be arrested for it. And that's not a joke. It shouldn't sound like a joke. I know that's that's the point we've gotten to in this country where I say a senator should be arrested for breaking the law, and it sounds like I'm joking. It sounds ridiculous. The, 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 the thought of a, of, a, of a U.S. senator facing any kind of legal penalty for breaking a law is almost funny. It makes you laugh, the thought of it. Well, it shouldn't be funny. He's not special. He's not above the law, even if, he's, even if that's been uh, the way it, it's worked. It shouldn't work that way. And he should be arrested for it. I, I don't want to hear just verbal condemnations from Republicans. Yeah, that too. But why not send the police to arrest this guy who just threatened Supreme Court justices on the steps of the Supreme Court? Now, let's circle back here for a moment because I want to emphasize what this is actually about. Like I said at the beginning, this is not a case that would overturn Roe v. Wade. It's not anything close to that. It's a case centering around a law in one state that would require abortion clinics to have admitting privileges. Uh, the, that is the ability to admit patients into the hospital. And the reason for that is, is very obvious. If there's a medical emergency, you need to be able to send the uh, patient to the hospital. And you don't want to just put them in their car and and, and say, well, go to, the, go to the nearest emergency room and wait there. No, you don't want to do that. You need to get them right into the hospital. And that's what the admitting privileges is for. Now, um, any other outpatient medical clinic surgery center. Is going is going to have admitting privileges at a local hospital this is a, a very standard regulation that healthcare clinics face and in any other I say other in quotes any other uh, health clinic wouldn't object to it because they would say yes of course we should should have that so this reveals the lie now they say abortion is healthcare just like you saw on Miley Miley's cake there Abortion is healthcare. That's what they tell us. Uh, Ilhan Omar sent out a tweet yesterday. Abortion is healthcare. Period. That's what they say. Now, you say abortion is healthcare. My question is, healthcare? Okay. Well, then, what illness or injury is it treating? If something is healthcare, then it should be treating some sort of malady, some sort of illness or injury. And what, what, what does what does abortion treat exactly? I know the answer. It treats pregnancy. But pregnancy is not a malady. It's not an illness. It's not a. It's not an injury. So it's not healthcare. But you claim that it is if you're a pro-abortion person. Okay, well, then if these are healthcare clinics, let's treat them like any other healthcare medical clinic. They should have the exact same regulations. You said it. So they say it's 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 healthcare, these are medical clinics. We say, okay, well, then let's give it the same regulations. Oh, we can't do that. That's an attack on women. Would you ever say, you know, the whatever um, regulations, a, 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 the orthodontist office has to, has to uh, uh, abide by, w- would we call that an attack on patients of the orthodontist clinic? W- would we say that health and safety guidelines of orthodontists, that those guidelines are an attack on the patients of the orthodontist clinic? makes no sense. It's the exact opposite of an attack on the patients. It's meant to protect the patients. So they don't, of course, believe what they say themselves. All right, let's move on to headlines. Number one, CNN reports a cruise ship passenger died from coronavirus less than two weeks after he returned home, marking California's first death as the disease sickens people in 15 states. The death reported Wednesday was linked to the Grand Princess cruise ship and was the first coronavirus fatality outside Washington state where 10 people have died, the cruise ships being held off the California coast so federal health officials can screen the people aboard, some of whom were on an earlier cruise with the California victim. The unidentified victim was 71 and had underlying health conditions. Now we should note that those deaths in Washington state are at a nursing home, which has been particularly hard hit by the illness. This, again, underscores the point that the virus is mostly killing people who are elderly or already sick, which doesn't make it any less sad. It's still a tragedy, of course, but it does put into perspective who is actually at risk here um, of of dying or becoming seriously ill from the coronavirus. And that's what this, we need to have perspective. We need to have an appropriate, in-proportion risk assessment of the coronavirus, and we'll get back to that in uh, in emails in just a minute. Number two, Elizabeth Warren supporters are not taking her humiliation and failure lying down. They've gone into the arsenal of weapons, and uh, they've pulled out the only weapon they have, which, of course, is to accuse everybody of sexism. That's all they've got, the S-bomb that they drop on everybody. Yes, because the only conceivable reason that anyone could ever have for disliking Elizabeth Warren is if they hate all women. Imagine thinking that, imagine, imagine thinking that Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Warren is such an appealing figure, so objectively appealing that the only reason you could ever have for disliking her is if you have a, 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 a disdain for all women in general. Like that's the only possible explanation. Now I've seen a lot of arguments like this one. This is from June Diane Raphael, who's an actress apparently. And she says, um, She says, stop telling your daughters they could be president when you are unwilling to vote for a woman president. Unwilling to vote for a woman president. That's what you hear from uh, Warren supporters. Why are you all unwilling to vote for a woman? No, we're just unwilling to vote for that woman. It's not women, it's that woman. You know, so this is like saying, uh, stop saying you like food if you're unwilling to eat the spoiled yogurt in my fridge. I mean, you say you like food, but then I served up a nice heaping bowl of moldy, sour, spoiled, uh, rancid yogurt and you wouldn't eat it. So it seems like you've got a problem with food. Of course, that makes no sense. It's, 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 It's not food, it's that particular dish you've put in front of me. It's not women, it's that particular woman you've put in front of us as voters. By the way, watch how quickly all of these arguments disappear when Nikki Haley runs for president in 2024, which she probably will, I imagine. All of this stuff goes out the window immediately. Number three, uh, and some bad news today, unfortunately. Next month, an asteroid that could be as large as two and a half miles wide will fly right by the Earth, just missing us. So close, damn it. I, that was such a tease. All these asteroids, you know, it's a real problem in the asteroid community. They're all a bunch of teases. Just to give you an idea of what we're missing, uh, with this, this thing that could be the solution to all of our problems. An asteroid that's a mile wide, hitting Earth at, you know, they, it would be about 30,000 miles an hour, uh, that would have the impact of 1 million megaton bombs. Or it would be 10 t- t- it would be 10 million times more destructive than an atomic bomb. Um, pretty much no matter where it hits, then you'd be looking at global destruction. So just to give some perspective on that, an asteroid that's only a fraction of that size, an asteroid that's the size of, say, a, a, a townhouse, would be enough to um, flatten an entire city. It would be like, you know, it would be the effect of, of the Hiroshima bomb, basically. So close, but no cigar. Maybe next time. Number four, and but of course the good news is that... Um, at least the world will be wiped out by climate change, either way. You know, in ten years. So, number four, and the next big primary is in Michigan next week. Uh, an article in Politico argues that Biden could finish, finish off Bernie there. Uh, Bernie won Michigan in twenty sixteen. Looks like by the according to the polls, he's seven points down, right now. So if he loses Michigan, then then the argument is that it's it's kind of over for him. I hate to keep beating this drum, but if Biden wins the nomination and then the general we're going to be in a position this is a serious thing we're going to be in a position of not knowing really who's in charge because biden is in the middle of a precipitous mental decline it's only going to get worse so what happens when he has full blown dementia does anybody know what do we do how will we know will they tell us when biden loses his mind are they going to is are, can we trust the administration to tell us that that's what's happening, and what do we do from there? And 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 what about on the way to completely losing his mind? At what point do we is the line drawn? And and we say, okay, we've got it. We've got to get him out of here. Well, nobody. Knows. We are we are entering into uncharted territory. So I guess we're going to find out. Finally, disturbing headline here. Look at this. It says Daily Wire host calls for hosts call for extreme measures, including violence, against drag queens. This is from Media Matters, of course. The article says, The Daily Wire's Matt Walsh and Michael Knowles called for drastic measures to prevent drag queens from being around children, with Walsh explicitly calling for violence against them by saying, quote, real men should kick a drag queen, quote, out on his ass and call the police. It's not funny. It's very serious. Uh, Walsh also said that the adults in a room in which a drag queen danced in front of a child, quote, should be going to prison. And Knowles called on, quote, the arm of the state to stop this. The Daily Wire's official YouTube account uploaded video of Walsh's extreme comments made during the Matt Walsh Show podcast, which has received more than 31,000 views. The video cuts off before Walsh's explicit calls for violence, but includes his claim that the adult should be arrested for letting a drag queen perform in front of a child. Wow. This is pretty horrifying stuff. Um, And I personally won't stand for this kind of bigotry. I don't know who this Matt Welsh guy is. Uh, I've heard of Michael Knowles. No surprise that he's saying bigoted stuff. It's exactly what you'd expect from him. But, you know, what they're actually referring to was a video where a drag queen dances suggestively for a little girl while she looks on horrified and all the adults in the room are applauding. So this wasn't calling for violence against drag queens generally. It was calling for men to take action to defend children from sexual grooming and abuse. That was the point. Okay. Uh, The point was, if a child is being abused, exploited, harassed, any decent man, any real man, would step in, step up, and put a stop to it. But still, yes. Horribly bigoted. Very dangerous. Only a bigot. Only a bigot. Would be opposed to the sexual harassment of a child. And that's the only reason that anyone could be opposed to that. I li- I cannot think of any other reason why a person would be upset about this. There just isn't any other reason, honestly. And, and and don't worry, this is not about normalizing pedophilia. I mean, we're 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 just we're only accusing people of bigotry if they're outraged by the sight of a cross-dressing man in booty shorts dancing for a child. You <laughs> know, we're just. That's it. We're we're shaming people for being against that. But no, that that doesn't logically end in the normalization and defense of pedophilia. Not at all. No, 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 no. I know it really seems like that's where it's headed, but it's not. And and if you ever say that, you're a bigot too. Anyway, again, whoever said those things, um, whoever that was, I denounce it personally. Disavow it. And I, I, I just, I don't want any part of it. All right, uh, we're going to move on to your daily cancellation. But before we do, you know, the Daily Wire's own Andrew Claven, who uh, you know and love, has released the second entry in his uh, excellent Another Kingdom trilogy. Um, Austin Lively, once just an out-of-luck Hollywood screenwriter, is now a chosen hero caught between two worlds in dual quests in both Los Angeles, California, and the magical medieval world of Uh, uh You can experience this adventure yourself. You've heard the you've heard the podcast, of course. The podcast is uh, wildly popular. Millions of people have uh, have watched it, and I know I have. Uh, but you can get the book today on Amazon. Andrew Claven is uh, doesn't if if you've never read any of his books, it shouldn't surprise you to learn that he's a, a, a just a great natural writer. Makes me kind of jealous myself as someone who who attempts to write uh, that they obviously comes so naturally to him. So I would absolutely recommend going going to get that book right now on Amazon. Now for your daily cancellation. And it's the Huffington Post on the chopping block today. So come on down, Huffington Post. Yesterday, Huffington Post published this article. Um, It uh, it says, I'm demisexual. Here's what I want you to know. I was 23 when I finally discovered there was a word for my experiences and feelings. And the article consists of a long personal history, a memoir of uh, this woman who's, who's coming out as demisexual. Very brave, very bold, very beautiful. And uh, after this long preamble about her romantic life, we finally get to this. She says, my friends would gush over the cute guys in school and I played along. I trusted them entirely. So I figured if they thought those boys were cute, they had to be right. I never fully understand, uh, understood what it was that was so appealing to them. They were usually nice, but I had no idea why my friends wanted to kiss them. I knew close to nothing about most of them. There was no inkling of sexual or physical attraction to people I didn't know very well, even after puberty. And now, as an adult, I realize that's exactly what demisexuality is. I'm attracted to someone only after I develop a deeper emotional connection with them. I can count on one hand the number of men I've kissed in my life or have been attracted to, and I have no problem with that number. In no way do I feel that I've missed out. Because, to my body's inclination, I'd much rather have a seven-hour-long conversation with someone than be physically intimate with them. So there you go. Uh, that's demisexuality. Women who prefer to develop deep emotional connections, women who would rather talk, who just want to talk, you know, would rather do that than be physically intimate. Uh, they are demisexuals. So in other words, every woman is a demisexual. To one extent, every woman is on the demisexual spectrum. Let's put it that way. You know, there may, there may be varying degrees, but every woman is in that is in that range. So that you know, call me crazy, but I I and I don't mean to uh, try to uh, otherize or erase demisexuals. Far be it for me. Far be it for me to be a demiphobe to be demiphobic. But I really think we don't need a, a separate word for this. Uh, you know, I I think just woman is fine because we all kind of get it. We know that that's part of the part of the thing. And even if it wasn't so common, right, we, we still wouldn't need a word for it. It's not, a, it's not its own sexuality. It's not a whole new thing. Uh, you know, Someone who's, who's, who's attracted to another person based more on their personality, that's not, that's, it's pretty normal. Uh, it's just you don't need a new word for that. There are some people who find a sense of humor to be especially attractive. There are other people who don't care quite as much about that. We don't need a a name for that. We don't need to call them homosexuals. As fun as that would be to have that label out there. So, this becomes a problem for the LGBT narrative, actually, because we're told that LGBT folks are persecuted and oppressed. Yet, we also see how people are are, are positively desperate to be a part of this, uh, to be a part of the LGBT club. Everybody wants to get into the abbreviation, the holy sacred abbreviation. Everybody's trying to barge their way in, trying to find a way in. Says, so ah, no, I'm, I'm a demisexual. I'm in a you know, I'm LGBTQ uh, D. There's a D in there somewhere. People are so determined not to be plain old heterosexual that they're finding ways to slip out of the heterosexual camp. It's like at, at night, they slip out and they try to sneak into the LGBT camp. Trust me, I'm in the, the heterosexual camp and um, uh, every morning... It's like we wake up and we do roll call, and uh, we find that someone else has defected. It's very sad. Sometimes we can see them running away. We'll see a guy kind of running away over the hill, and we'll shout to him. We'll say, "Hey, hey, where are you going? What are you doing?" And he'll shout back, and "Say, oh, sorry, I'm uh, yeah, I'm 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 leaving. I got I discovered that I'm I'm actually, it turns out I I'm a blonde sexual. I I prefer women with blonde hair. So I'm." Blonde sexual, I'm going over to the LGBT. I'm getting in there on the B. It's part of the thing. But blondesexual isn't a thing, though. It's not a, everybody likes blonde women. Come back. And then they disappear over the horizon. And all the straight men uh, mourn the loss of our brother in arms. And then we put on our cargo shorts. And we carry on with our lives. Anyway, this just doesn't seem like the kind of thing um, that would happen if LGBT people were really persecuted. I don't think people would be trying. So it's generally, when there's a persecuted minority, you don't generally have people claiming to be in that category even when they're not. not, That's not usually what happens, right? Um, Finally, let's go to emails. Matt Walsh at gmail.com, Matt at gmail.com. This is from Adam says, good morning, theocratic fascist overlord. I work for a gym focusing on being a family center. We have multiple locations in central Maryland. As you know, Maryland is a very left-leaning area. And so the place I work is as well. I was recently asked to replace the signage for our one-off restrooms. Um, currently have, they have the kind of sign you see on any restroom, the little outline of a man or woman. I'm beginning, uh, I'm being asked to find signs that say all gender restrooms, like the picture attached. And there's a picture of the sign. Since I believe the truth uh, and know that there are only men and women, should I not go along with this? I see uh, an easy compromise in simply putting a sign that says restroom, but I'm not sure how to present this without having the woke crowd jump on me. I cannot wait till you assume your true mantle as ruler of this insane world. We don't have to deal with things like this. Thank you for your response. Well, um. Adam, so you say one-off restroom. So I I assume you mean, so that's a single person. Is that what that means? I don't know what one-off restroom means. So if we're talking about single person restrooms, then uh, first of all, I don't think there's any problem here. I don't think there's any moral quandary. Uh, Now, if it was a a multi-person restroom and they were trying to get you to to, to set it up so that any gender can go in there, then then I think that's a situation where you have to say, no, that's, I'm not doing that. That's crazy. It's dangerous. But there's no reason for a single person restroom to be, to be, this is the one compromise I'll, I'll, I'll give to the, to, to the other side of this discussion when it comes to the restrooms. Uh, yes. when it, Single person restrooms. There's no reason for them not to be uh, available to, to, to man, men or, or women. Right. Um, because there's only one person in there at a time, so I, you know, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't see a, necessarily see a problem with putting all gender on there. Yeah, it's it should both gender should be the phrase. All gender makes it sound like there's more than two, but it doesn't necessarily mean that because all, you know, so all genders. Well, there's only two, so all means two. So I, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily see. I, I, I don't think it's something you need to get yourself fired over. Uh, I don't think that they're asking you uh, directly to deny the truth. If they were, then, then I think that's where you take a stand, but, uh, but, but they're not. Um, you know, Putting that sign on there is just a little bit of PC. It's, it's silly, ridiculous PC pandering, but it doesn't really matter anyway. Um, okay, let's move on. This is from Noah says, Matt, you're wrong about the coronavirus. Your comparison of the coronavirus and the flu is faulty and shows your scientific ignorance. The coronavirus has a much higher mortality rate, 2 to 3%. It spreads before symptoms are shown, and it has different effects on the body. Trying to minimize this epidemic is irresponsible and dangerous. You really are wrong about this, and you owe it to your listeners to do better research before spouting off about a subject like this. Okay, no, I'm not sure you understand my point. First of all, you don't know that the mortality rate of coronavirus is 2 or 3%. It almost certainly is not. Now I know that's the reported mortality rate, but as I explained on the show a couple of days ago, that's the mortality rate for reported cases. So people that have the symptoms, they go to the doctor, they get tested, they they come back positive. If they recover, okay, that's someone who's going to count against the mortality rate. Um, so two or three percent to this point of people who've reported. Uh, who, who have tested positive for and have been reported as positive for coronavirus have died. Most of them in China. The issue is that, mo- in most cases, in the vast majority of cases, the symptoms for coronavirus are very mild. It's going to be the symptoms of of a of a of a cold, fever, cough, right, runny nose, that kind, that kind of thing. Um, Which means, almost certainly, I can't say this for sure, but it just, it stands to reason, common sense would tell you, that there have probably been many thousands of people who've had the coronavirus, but it was just mild symptoms, so they didn't go and get tested for it, especially before this was all over the headlines, and recovered, and yet just nobody knows, nobody ever found out about it, so they they don't count against the mortality rate which is why the real mortality rate is almost certainly a lot less than, than 2 or 3%. I don't know what it is, but neither do you. Second, my point about the flu is not to say that they're the same or equally as dangerous. I agree that having the coronavirus is probably more dangerous than having the flu. We, we don't know the mortality rate again, but it it, it probably is. I, it, it's It's... It seems like it'd be a a good guess to say that the mortality rate, the real mortality rate, is probably still uh, higher than it is for the flu. So if you had to choose between having the coronavirus or the flu, I think you would choose the flu. But this is about risk assessment. Yes, you are more likely to die from the coronavirus if you have it. Um, But... You are much, 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 much more likely to get the flu and not the coronavirus, which means that as you stand there right now as a healthy person, you are much, 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 much more likely to die of the flu than you are to die of the coronavirus, although chances are you're not going to die of either one. You're going to die of something, but probably not one of those. Um, Millions of people get the flu. Hundreds of thousands die of it across the world every single year. Those numbers are exponentially greater than it is for the coronavirus right now. So it's risk assessment. What's the risk that you get the coronavirus? Very small. If you do get it, what's the risk that you die of it? Again, very small. So it's a small risk on top of a small risk. What's the risk of you getting the flu? Much greater, right? What's the reason for stipulating this? Well, it, it, because it's good to have a healthy perspective on the dangers that we face as people. Uh, our survival depends on it, on, on being good risk assessors. We have to be able to do that. Um, not because we should be dismissive of the coronavirus, but just because it's smart to be more, more focused on the things that are more likely to be threats to us. Unfortunately, the problem is that the media's sensationalism often you know, gets us worried, not just with the coronavirus, but in general, we get worried about things that are, that are on the fringes as far as threats that are probably not going to affect us. But the media focuses on those things because they're uh, uncommon, and that makes them more sensational and, and more interesting to report on. So we get focused on that, and oftentimes at the expense of focusing on things that are more important. And that's why you have the I think rather absurd dichotomy of people who are going out and buying surgical masks because of the coronavirus, yet uh, yet haven't even gotten their flu shot. Bethany Mandel on Twitter made a great analogy. Uh, she said that it's like parents who worry about their their kids being kidnapped, so they don't let their kids play outside on their own, yet a lot of those very same parents will put their kids in the car seat and not properly um, and not properly hook in the, the car seat. You know, when you put the kid in the car seat, you need to have the strap uh, up closer to uh, up on their chest. You need to make sure that it's tight. A lot of parents just throw their kid in the car seat. You know, buckle it up. Don't even worry about adjusting it. And um, your kid is much, much, much more likely to die in a car accident because he's not properly strapped in than he is to die from being kidnapped. Now, if your kid is kidnapped, God forbid then he, in that scenario, in that context, is of course going to be at a much greater risk than a kid who's in an in a improperly installed car seat. But your kid is almost certainly not going to be kidnapped, especially by a stranger. Most of the kidnappings that you hear about, and it's still very rare, but most of the kidnappings that you hear about are, are you know custody disputes and that sort of thing. It's parents kidnapping their own kids in a custody dispute. If we're talking about Kidnapping by a stranger, like a kid that's uh, abducted off the street in a van, or or someone breaks into a house and and, and steals a kid out of the window, those sorts of things have happened. But the chances of it happening to your kid are vanishingly small. It, it, it almost definitely won't happen. Yet, as parents, a lot of us were more worried about that. You know, uh, I can be guilty of this. Before I go to bed tonight, I check every single lock in the house. I'm checking the windows. Um, on the fear in the back of my mind that someone's going to sneak into the house in the middle of the night and steal one of my kids. Meanwhile, now I I, I am I am pretty, I, I think I am pretty good about the car seat too. But uh, but still, I this is something that it's a threat that takes up space in my mind, even though the chances of that happening. It's like I could leave the door wide open every single night. And almost definitely nobody will come in and steal my kid. Yet I still worry about it much more than is reasonable to. Bad risk assessment. And so I think that we should uh, try to have an appropriately calibrated risk assessor in our brain so that we understand what things are actually threats to us and we focus more on them and a little bit less on the things that are not really threats or are not likely to be threats. That's my point. Okay. We'll leave it there. Um, As I remind you again about The Church of Cowards, which is in stores now, and uh, I I appreciate all the the great feedback I've gotten on this book. It's a book that's very personal to me, as any book is when you write it, but this is a book that uh, I put a a lot into it, so I appreciate everyone that's bought it and read it and uh, given it some some thought, and so I hope that you'll you'll, you'll give it a read as well. Uh, Go to Amazon right now and, and pick it up, and we'll leave it there. Thanks a lot for watching the show, everybody. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including the Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and the Andrew Claven Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring, Supervising Producer Mathis Glover, Supervising Producer Robert Sterling, Technical Producer Austin Stevens. Editor Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020.
2: Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of the Andrew Claven Show. You know, Chuck Schumer didn't choose the thug life. Oh wait, yes, he did. He threatened Supreme Court justices if they don't decide on abortion the way he wants. We'll take a look at that and why he and the left decide to go gangster on the Andrew Claven Show.